Hey, Southridge Church, thanks for joining today. Welcome to Southridge Online. And whether you are in Canada or around this world, we appreciate you and we are glad that you have joined us today. But I would encourage you to do more than just listen today. Visit our website at southridgefellowship.ca. Find out more about us if you're new or join us in community by joining one of our community groups and engage with us in the mission that God has given us to fulfill by either giving financially or serving or just even following Jesus daily. We are so glad that you're a part of us and we encourage you to step into something that God has for you. So find out more at southridgefellowship.ca and enjoy the message. Today I'm going to talk about Psalm 121. And this psalm changed the direction of the life of someone I know. And this is the story of my father-in-law, and he actually uh, printed out uh, the story for me in his own handwriting, which I think is kind of special. Let me tell you the story. A time in my life when I felt so hopeless, so alone, shamed, guilty, a failure, worthless. I could not continue. I needed this to end. I made up a plan next day on the way to work. I'd slam my car into the buttress of the old Mount Lehman overpass. I was seeking an end to my pain. But as I was driving through the overpass, this scripture came to life. I was traveling east on the freeway, just going through the overpass, and I saw my eyes looking to the hills past Chilliwack, and I knew there and then where my help would come from from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That same day at work, my boss came to me and said, you've got the weepies. I nodded with tears in my eyes. He arranged for me to meet a counselor at Burden Bearers the next day. Then the same day in the lunchroom at work, a coworker, Glenn, knowing I was struggling, suggested I get a book by James Dobson called Love Must Be Tough. I, I went and got it at the house of James went home to my room, and while paging through the book, looking for answers to my life, I stopped at a page halfway through the book and read how how in counseling James Dobson came across despondent men planning to end it by slamming their car into an overpass. I realized through that day's events, I was rescued. The next day came, I drove through the overpass, seeing the hills and knowing where my help comes from. Since I heard this story, whenever Mount Baker pops into my view when I'm driving east on the freeway, I'm reminded of God's intervention and presence in his life and therefore in mine. I've heard countless stories of people who, one, learned about God's presence and help as a child, and later in life were reminded in some profound way like my father-in-law, or in two, encountered God in a difficult time and found the strength to go on because of his presence with him. Yet even with first and second hand experience, we too often forget. What is it about God being our help, that he keeps us, that he's our refuge, our strong tower, our hiding place, our ever-present time in trouble? with us to the very end of the age, our Emmanuel, Emmanuel, that is so profound and life-altering. Well, Psalm 121 helps us understand that. 
So today we're going to look at this psalm. Uh, it's very well known uh, for its 90s worship song. Some of you will remember that. But more importantly, it's the message that God watches over us. This is what is called a psalm of ascent. It's part of a group of 15 psalms, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And this is one of the songs the Israelites probably sung on their journey uh, to the different feasts in Jerusalem. They would have made this trip three times a year, reminding them each time of God's covenant with them. Topographically, Jerusalem was the highest city in Palestine. And so if you traveled there, you were literally traveling up the whole time. And the idea of the, of the Psalm of Ascents is that they would have been sung and they would have been talked about and then they would have been sought to live, be lived out in between times. And it reminds me a bit of why we gather together every Sunday or for Christmas or for Easter. It's, they're big reminder, reminders to keep us on track in our journeys with God in the in-between times. So let's take a look and read Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Perhaps the Israelites sang this song um, and they saw the mountain as an obstacle. Or maybe they saw it as a reminder of who God is, the creator and maker of everything, including the mountains. Either way, David asked this rhetorical question, where does my help come from? This seems very personal as he uses this personal pronoun, my. In verse 3, you'll see him switch to, uh, to say your um, as more inclusive of everybody. And the obvious answer to that question is the Lord or Yahweh, which is God's divine and personal name and was a symbol of God's covenant with Israel. And David expands on who God is as if his name is not enough and says he is the maker of heaven and earth. This would have been in such stark contrast to the gods worshiped around them, gods they had created with their own hands. This psalm reminds them and us that the help they need in life comes from the creator, not from creation. You know, we're encouraged all around us to look inside ourselves for help which is often what we do if we're honest, instead of looking first to the one who created us for the help we need. When we understand who God really is, it helps us realize that he is the first one to go to for help. The fact that God is our creator 
tells us. He has the power to help us, and He loves us enough to help us. It reminds us that He designed us and that we are made in His image. We have even a bigger picture of this because of Jesus. Jesus gives us the full picture because our Creator actually became flesh, died on the cross, rose again, is interceding for us, and gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. The fact that our help comes from this God is incredible. I was talking to my son, Michael, the other day, who's serving at Camp Quanos this month. And one of the kids he was talking to said to him, he said that, I believe in science, not God. Michael was really excited because he'd been studying some apologetics the week before. So he explained to this little boy that science explained the what, but not the why. Why? Simple but pretty wise explanation. And I kept thinking about this. The fact that God is our creator encompasses so much of our why. He made us and everything we see. And as he has solidly proven his faithfulness, his love and his power to us and has a purpose for us. So where does your help come from? You may remember the Israelites journey You've committed your life to Jesus in response to his life, death, and resurrection. You've witnessed the power of God in your life or in others' lives time and time again. Yet, you still need to be reminded of this truth over and over again. Maybe you're like me and something goes wrong and you first go down the worry hole and wonder how you are going to ever solve that problem. And what I really need and what you really need is to go to, for help to God first. And this psalm goes on to explain the kind of help that God gives. You'll notice um, that this psalm has this repeated phrase, the Lord is watching over you. In fact, this verse is, this phrase is said eight times in eight verses. Other translations say, uh, keep or guarding you. And first of all, in verse 3, he says, he will not let your foot slip. This implies that every step of the way, he was with them. And day to day, as we come and go, as we live through joyful times and sad times, that really matters. Every step of the way means when the path is smooth, and when the path of ro is rocky, the good times and the bad times. Well, in verse 4, he continues and he says, The Lord will neither slumber or sleep. Maybe the Israelites wonders, wondered at times if God really saw them and was with them. Maybe you wonder this. Well, this psalm assures them that unlike the gods worshipped around them, who they would have had to actually wake up to hear them, God is always awake and always watching over them and us. And perhaps you've been living your life ignoring God's presence with you. That means whenever you wake up to the fact that He is there, He loves you, He wants to know you and help you. He will hear you and answer you. So just like my father-in-law at the beginning, 
had a moment when he realized that God was actually with him and could help him. Let me assure you that whenever you call out to God, he will not be asleep, but ready to help you. Notice this is repeated, but in a kind of bigger picture. In verse 4, it says that indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. It goes from personal, he who watches over you, to include the whole nation, he who watches over Israel. And I think if we step back from our own situation and look through a wider lens of God's purposes, we can see God's help more clearly. For example, if the Israelites looked at God's track record throughout their history, they could see his faithfulness and anticipate his continued faithfulness. Perhaps you need to consider that you are a little too super focused on your own troubles, on your own situation. Try taking a step back, hearing from others, looking around and seeing how God is working in the lives of other people around you. Let it be a reminder of the big picture of God's presence and purpose. Well, in verse 5, he goes on to say again, he watches over you. And in verse 8, he's watches, watching over your coming and your going. Sometimes we read these kind of things in the Bible or hear them from others and think it means complete safety, no hardships. But this does not imply a comfortable life, but a comforted life. Think of Psalm 23, verse 4, that says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Throughout the Bible, there is acknowledgement of the bad things that happen in life, but God's help and but also God's help and presence through them. In fact, many of the Psalms are actually laments grief over the evil and suffering, and prayers for help from God. But this is one of those psalms that shows us to move from lament to praise and trust in God. Well, David continues to give images and portray God as this refuge and help. In verse 5, it says, He's our shade. He's the shade at your right hand. Well, in, the, in a hot climate, uh, like the Israelites lived in, a shade would have ha- the shade would have had a very positive connotation. And shade at your right hand has this idea that he's going to refresh us. He's not, he's not, he's not just going to keep us from harm. He's going he's gonna to be there to refresh us. And at your right hand mean that he's, means that he's never far. He's near. I get the idea of a shepherd. It's a reminder of the story that Jesus told of the shepherd's relentless pursuit of the lost sheep. Or we can think of Jesus' words in John 10. He explains he is the gate for the sheep, the path to safety and peace for your soul, not just your body, is through Jesus. He even contrasts that with the purpose of the thief who comes to steal and destroy but that he comes to bring life to the full. Furthermore, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The God of the Israelites who watched over them is the God who laid down his life for you. 
That's how much he loves you and cares for you. There's no comparison to that kind of love and no better place to find refreshment and refuge. Well, in verse 6, it continues and says, The sun won't harm you, nor the moon by night. When it says the sun will not harm you, these are the trials that you can see and feel, the things that happen throughout your day. And when, and when it says the moon will not harm you, well, the moon are those things that happen at night in the darkness, like, like evil or sad or anxiety or depression. And in verse 7, the, it says the Lord will keep you from all harm and evil. And again, this does not mean a life without difficulties or without those things, but really a well-armed life. Consider Paul's encouragement in Ephesians 6 of putting on the armor of God. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And I was thinking this is kind of like, for all you super moms out there, it's kind of like this idea of a well-packed diaper bag, right? Where you have everything you need for any kind of emergency or problem that's going to help it happen with your child. Okay, it's not a perfect metaphor, but you get the idea. So instead, he gives you everything you need to fight the battles, the dangers, and the evils that come your way. He says to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, a helmet of salvation. He watches over you by giving you everything you need to live for him and fight the battles that come your way. The God who takes care of the big things sees the small things. He sees the foot that slips, the shade needed in the sun, your everyday coming and going. I was, it reminds me of why we teach our kids to go to God and the little things. And when you pray about everything, when you pray about the small things, when your kids are young and as they grow up, they know how to pray about the big things. When you see the effect of this, not only in one-time big moments, but in little moments over time, something that uh, I was reading about uh, from Eugene Peterson, and he calls this kind of the long obedience in the same direction. This small moments over time that remind you uh, of the small moments of God's faithfulness and also your obedience. And he kind of describes discipleship that way. And Israelites had the, a rhythm of reminding themselves of this as they sung this song of ascent. So I asked the question, what's your rhythm? I can just picture all the Israelites three times a year going up the mountain to Jerusalem, reminding each other, their families and their children through this song, who they could go to for help, who was their keeper through everything they went through in life. And maybe you need a rhythm of reminders, going to church, reading your Bible, praying with a friend, writing out your laments and praise to God listening to worship, maybe walking in the forest. <laughs> but what does this look like in real life uh, for God to be your help? I want to take a look at Lucas's story. 
And maybe you know Lucas's parents, Len and Lisa Strelau, who go to our church. And a couple of years ago, their seven-year-old son was told he couldn't play sports in, anymore. In fact, he couldn't run or jump anymore because uh, he was diagnosed with a disease in his hip and that he would probably need to have major surgery. So I want you to listen to his story and his testimony of God's help to him. Hi, today I am at BC Children's Hospital and two years ago, I was diagnosed with Perthes disease and Today, we have very good news from the doctor, Dr. Mulhurry, that it's over. Well, the hip isn't actually completely reformed back to normal, but he said it's okay to do more like sports and start to go back to hockey and basketball, baseball, stuff like that. And it's kind of exciting because I've had this stupid, hip thing for two years and well, now it's over so now I can run again and uh hey jump and play and did we have to do surgery no what did you do instead? I prayed a lot like I'm meaning a lot isn't that amazing don't you love when Lisa asked him what did you do and he said we prayed a lot there was a lot more that went into his recovery. There was physio, exercises, a lot of hard work, an amazing physiotherapist, but it was God who was in the forefront of Lucas's thoughts. And why is that? Because he went to him through the ins and outs of this trial, and he saw that God watching over him was true. The fact is, that God is with you when difficult things come your way. You can lament, you can be angry, you can be sad, but then you can realize that if you look up to the mountains and you can know that your help comes from God. Again, Eugene Peterson really helped me to understand this. He describes the Psalms as a means by which Christians learn to pray everything they lived and live everything they prayed over the long haul. And Psalm 121 is just one psalm that teaches us this. Lucas is learning how, how this works and he's only nine years old. <laughs> I've always hated the pat cliches Christians give, right? About God being with us or God being our help. And maybe you're even thinking that as I talk about this. But the thing is that when, when it's lived out, and then spoke out, that's when it actually helps. If Lucas came to me and said to me that God is with you in this, I'd believe it because he's lived it out. If you're struggling with how to tell your kids or your friends, your coworkers or whoever, that God is their helper in their difficulties, then live it out first. Then speak it out. Start praying for the small things and the big things, trusting him to help you, talking about it when, he does, when it, he does help you, and rubbing shoulders with others who have walked this. Of course, it doesn't mean nothing will ever go wrong. After all, 
Just think about the Israelites' history. It was full of ups, ups and downs. But they knew that God's promise was to watch over them and to keep them, and that that didn't mean there was no difficulties in their life. So there's going to be things like fires and pandemics, car accidents, car accidents, disease, all sorts of trouble. But God, the Creator, is with you, and His purposes for you will not be thwarted. Look for ways to see God's grace in your situation. Well, let's go back to this psalm one more time. Look at verse 8, and he says that he will watch over you both now and forever. We understand now that forever is because of Christ. If your purpose in life is to be a follower of Jesus, you've realized that your sin separates you from him and trusted in his forgiveness and chosen to follow him, it means that he is with you as you live your life for him. This promise is for you as you obey Jesus' command to make disciples, to help others in that long obedience in the same direction. Jesus repeats this promise we see in 1 Psalm 121 verse 8 in Matthew 28:20, 20, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, the beauty of a life lived in the protection, under the wing, in the refuge, with the strong tower, with the strength he provides, is a powerful witness. When you can say, my help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth, it's not only a help to you, but a powerful witness, and often the evidence that someone needs to consider Jesus. And let's learn from the Israelites' rhythms of remembering. Those rhythms we keep, like community with a few, celebrating big, following Jesus daily, they help us be reminded of who he is and that he is with us on every step of our journey. My prayer is that you would both live out and then talk out your hope and trust in God, and be able to answer the question, where does my help come from? With a resounding, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let me pray for you. God, we are truly in awe that we can know where our help comes from. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you give us help. Thank you that we are not alone in the middle of so much uh, trouble around us and even inside of us, God. And I pray that each of us, each, everybody listening to this would be able to place their trust in you, would be able to know without a doubt that you are faithful, that you are strong, and that they would be able to live that out in a way that speaks about Jesus and the difference that he makes in our life. Hey everyone, thank you for joining in on the service today and being a part of our Experience God online. We have a couple quick questions that we want to run through with you that we want to encourage you to either discuss with the people around you in your community group or your family or if you're by yourself with somebody later this week or with God right now. Uh, so here are the questions. We just got three of them. The first 
is talk about a time when you had an experience where you knew God was watching over you. What was a time that you knew that you were sure or that you had some kind of sense that God was watching over you? Even if it was something that now that you look back on, it's clear, oh yeah, God was definitely watching over me in that moment. So that's the first one. The second one is how does knowing what how does knowing that God is watching you and that you can call out to him anytime help you in your day-to-day -day life? How does, it, how does it help you to know that you can call it to God anytime, anywhere, any day, whenever, and that you can call it to him that he's watching over you? How does that help you in your day-to-day -day life? And finally, the last question, what does it look like for you to live a well-armed life? How does it look like for you to live a well-armed life? All right, Southwest family, it was great to worship God all together here. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week.